This is an ABC podcast. We've got a brilliant piece of New Zealand post-apocalyptic sci-fi. Keep an eye on that. A cool new Australian ghost story. A rare but now available again Australian psychological thriller. And a soon-to-be classic piece of B-movie. I I want to say another word as opposed to rubbish because it's not rubbish. It's just B-movie fun. True Cult. New releases with Alex Bonniewell. died and the earth fell silent Zach Hobson, July 5th 1. There has been a malfunction in Project Flashlight with devastating results 2. It seems I am the only person left on it If there's anybody out there at all, could you please contact me at home? Somebody come. I've been condemned to live. Yeah, Alex, this trailer really didn't help me in understanding what this film was about. So this is The Quiet Earth, which is volume six in the Beyond Genres range from umbrellaint.com.au and and with everything else in the range, it's it's superbly packaged. From 1985, this is a New Zealand post-apocalypse film. Now, this is much more in the kind of last man on earth, Omega Man, I Am Legend kind of vein than the, the Mad Max kind of vein. So our hero, well, he's the only person left alive is a guy called zach hobson played brilliantly by bruno lawrence um he's a scientist he's he's working as you heard from the trailer on something called project flashlight and he thinks that something's gone wrong with this and something's happened and every not just everyone but every living thing has just vanished from the face of the earth he's there he's on his own and he's trying to work out what's happened and he's sets up a broadcast to try and see if there's anyone else right out there they'll they'll know where he is he puts his address out there he paints on billboards he finds a nicer bigger house to go and live in but as the days click on and the weeks click on he starts to just kind of realize that maybe he is the only person on earth and there's a brilliant scene where he's in his new palatial house where he's talking to cardboard cutouts of famous people and political figures and and monarchs and stuff and he declares himself the president of this quiet earth he's just like going wow this this film is just going to be him just slowly going mad from loneliness but then you kind of think well maybe there is someone else out there and maybe he will discover that he is not the last person on earth and if if that happens what will they be like when he meets them I'd been meaning to see this film for years. This is the first time I'd actually watched it, and it was quite excellent. I really, really enjoyed this. Later films, like 28 Days Later, owe a lot to The Quiet Earth in the way it's set up. That that opening kind of like 20 minutes, half hour of um, 28 Days Later is so similar to the first half of The Quiet Earth, where you've got someone just wandering around and there's nothing there's empty buildings, there's empty vehicles, there's rubbish strewn all over the place, some things are on fire, you know, and just the confusion with what's happened. You're just kind of going, wow, they, they did this in New Zealand first. Because even with, like, the Omega Man and, and before that, Last Man on Earth, 
there was a, a feeling that they weren't the only ones there because there was the kind of like the, the shuffling mutants and stuff around. But in, in The Quiet Earth, you really feel like Zack is the only person alive. Well, you're trying um, to work out whether is he actually alive too. That's what yeah. I got from the trailer, and I don't know how true that is, but I was very <laughs> confused. <laughs> well, there is, and that, and that kind of comes into it a bit later on as, they, as he's kind of working out what's happened. I mean, yeah, I, I just took it as complete face value, but you could think, well, maybe he's in some sort of purgatory. Maybe he's not actually still on Earth. Maybe something's happened, and he is somewhere in between life and death and it's just him trying to work out what he's done with his life and therefore how to get onto the next plane of existence and um, maybe it is that as well but yeah it's just such a really cool movie i really enjoyed this it's like i've said before on true cult that i really like films that have very very limited cast because everything has to be spot on for it to work really well like the script the direction the editing everything and of course the acting has to be just really just precise and there so you totally drawn into this one character and you're, you're totally sympathising with them, and you want Zach to find someone. But then you think, oh, if he does, that will kind of ruin his notion that he's now kind of the ruler of this land. You know, if someone else comes along, all that gets taken away from him. They say everything's been taken away from him at the beginning of the movie, because he's the only one there, and then he set himself up as the president of the quiet earth. And if someone else turns up, that'll get taken away from him because he can't suddenly go, well, I'm president. You'll do what I say. <laughs> oh, someone else is alive. But who else and, does he see, Alex? Oh, see, I, don't, I don't want to go into any of the other details of the movie because I went into this completely blind as well. I don't want to say whether or not he comes across people. Because um, it's in the trailer. If you watch the trailer, oh, if you watch the it's trailer, a bit disappointing. It, 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 oh. <laughs> like, as, in, as in, I'm still confused, but yeah. he does apparently meet two other people and they get into a ute and there's a thing. <laughs> That's yeah. all I could get from the trailer because I'm interested in the work of Pete Smith, who plays yeah. one of the characters. Now, I love this guy because his first acting job was The Quiet Earth and he's yeah. been an actor ever since. And I just want to read you some of the things he's done, Alex, because it's I think it's awesome. He was in Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. He was a featured orc. He then played a scary island chief in The Legend of Johnny Lingo. Uh, he was in Once Were Warriors. He was a priest in Rapa Nui. I just love these credits. These credits are great. But he has just been an actor from here on in. So you could play that game of let's watch The Quiet Earth and then try to spot Pete Smith in a whole heap of other films. Yes. Yeah, I, di I didn't recognise him in this and I'm, I'm a massive fan of of once were warriors it's one of my favorite nz films and because this is 1985 he's kind of got more hair and a really kind of weird mustache <laughs> in this and it's kind of like no oh, cool but yeah no he's great in this if you're a fan of post-apocalyptic movies of any ilk you know you'll want to see this and if you're like because it's like new zealand like australia throws out some really cool off the wall movies on subjects that you think you know about say so i watched this and i was watching it going wow this is a new zealand version of 28 days later but without the zombies but then i kind of go no of course not 28 days later is a version of the quiet earth with zombies you know, so it's like these these films, even though they were low budget and made on the other side of the world from the much bigger budget, bigger hit movies, there they was such an influence on future cinema. And that's what I really enjoy about New Zealand and Australian movies. They have an impact 
beyond their years because it, these filmmakers have found them and gone, that's really cool. I'm going to use that kind of thing in what I'm going to do, but I'll have more money and I can make a bigger impact. And then hopefully when people rediscover these films, they'll go, ah, this is where you've got some of your ideas from. So yes, yeah, that's what I enjoy discovering about these movies. Well, Jeff Murphy was also the director on Goodbye Pork Pie, which is a bit of a New Zealand classic, has a mini in it. I've seen that mini. It's at Motat in Auckland, which is the Museum of Transport and some other things. I didn't realise that he was the director of, I think it's called Utu or Atu. I don't know. Yes, I saw that on British TV. And the only thing I can really remember about that is that one of the guys in it stitches, kind of puts together two double barrel shotguns. So he's got a quad barrel shotgun with one trigger and he completely destroys an outhouse with it that's the only thing i can remember about that movie (laughs) and i'm like i really so when i saw undead the australian zombie film and they do the same thing i was like i've seen that before i saw that in utu so again it's like new zealand films influencing australian movies it will then go on and influence other stuff You did say that this is a Beyond Genres collection one. The front cover of it is absolutely amazing. The entire package, I think, is quite a good-looking package. But do you get any other extra features? Not quite as many on some of the other Beyond Genre titles. You get an audio commentary with the writer-producer, Sam Pillsbury, the theatrical trailer, and a restoration trailer image gallery. So that's it for extras. But, you know, they've restored the print for this, and it does look amazing. I'm really loving that the that people are getting these old movies and doing new scans of them, 2K or 4K scans of them, and reissuing them so they look new. Great film. I, I thoroughly recommend this. I've been seeing people talk about this film online for a good two or three years now, so I've been waiting patiently to, to see it. And I you know, just wasn't disappointed at all. It'll be great. Treat it like a holiday. That's easy for you to say, Cassie. You can do it. It's only for a few days. Cassie, there's something seriously wrong with this place. You're imagining it. of an Australian flavour with these releases, Alex, and this is from 2017, but what is Lost Gully Road? What's the premise here? Right, so this sees our main character, Lucy. She's arranging to meet her sister in a rented cottage in the rainforest. Um, Her sister's delayed, so she has to stay there and hang out. But as the days click over, Lucy starts to notice and feel things around the cottage that that don't feel right and things are moving and stuff. And it's just one of these really cool slow burn movies where the last 20 minutes hits and it just turns into this full on ghost terror story. And it was like, I was kind of watching going, no, this is kind of cool. This kind of, and then the last 20 minutes I was like, what? No. And it really got me. I've said before on true cult ghost stories, are my freak out films. They really get to me. I've no idea why. So really? I was watching this. I would never oh, have yeah. picked that from you. Yeah. It seems uh, so it, kind of run of the mill. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they always they always give me goosebumps and stuff. And this delivered in all those respects. It's really cool. Again, very limited cast, very limited location wise as well. So director Donna McRae handles the tension and the threat really well. The sort of the increasing dread and I say that slow burn is just really well timed. And this could have gone down that kind of the path that the entity took 
and got quite nasty. So even though I like the entity as a movie, it's got some aspects to it that make me feel uncomfortable every time I watch it. It doesn't quite go that far, but it does get really quite full on in that last kind of that third act. Really cool, really got me. I was just sitting there going, yeah, okay. Australian ghost story. Okay, okay. And then, and then I say that that last act, I was like, "Whoa, this is just getting really full on now." Do you um, think it's because your ghost story thing is because you come from a country that's super old and you've got a lot of ghosts that it's like a thing in England? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's very much part of the culture there. I mean, in every town. There is a haunted place, apparently, you know. We used to go on school trips to this place called Chislehurst Caves in Kent, which they filmed Doctor Who in years ago as well, and they've still got kind of glitter on the walls from when they filmed Doctor Who. But that place is the only place that I've actually experienced complete and utter darkness, where they take you into the caves and blow, and they go, now we're going to turn off the lights and you can't see anything you can't see your hand in front of your face and all your senses just heighten you hear everyone breathing you can hear your own heart rate and that feeling is the same thing i get when i watch ghost story movies there's something that just just gets into me and i just kind of go and all the hairs come off my arms yeah see i couldn't do that after seeing the descent now if i hadn't seen the descent (laughs) i could go in and i wouldn't think about it but if i'm going in now that's what i would think about even the doctor who wouldn't cut through on that I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to, like, try to get out of this cave. Like, my brain would start ticking over big time. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, you're right. I mean, there is always a a haunted place somewhere in the UK. It's like, you know, and there's all those kind of haunted house and castle programs on tv and stuff all the time it's like if, if you even if you go to a very touristy thing like the tower of london they'll tell you about things that wander the grounds and stuff if you visit any kind of castle in the uk and they say and in 1624 so and so was killed and you can still see their spirit on such and such a night so there's always a ghost story attached to an old building so yeah maybe that's what it is um yeah i was Really impressed with Lost Gully Road. Again, it's another one. I think it might have got shown at um, Fright Fest in the UK this year as well. I can't be sure. But, yeah, I remember some of my UK friends talking about seeing it and really enjoying it as well. But, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter what nationality the ghost story is as well. They always get me the Japanese ones, Spanish, UK, Australia, anywhere. As soon as they go, oh, and this is a ghost story, I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I do myself no favours. I always watch these when everyone else is in bed with the lights off and it's just me, the surround sound. And, yeah, it's like if I watched it at, like, lunchtime, it probably couldn't, wouldn't quite have the same effect. But now I have to watch all these films in the middle of the night in the dark. Will Linda survive the nightmare that threatens her sanity? Fans of gothic horror will not be disappointed.
Alex, I'd have to say that this group has the best trailers of the year. I'm going to put that out there. They don't actually tell you much about the film at all. Neither does the trailer when you're visually watching it. Uh, another sort of exploitation film? Yes, this is Next of King from 1982, also released by UmbrellaEnt.com.au. This has been very eagerly awaited by so many people. The DVD of this, before they announced this, was going for silly money on eBay. Um, what? Yeah, it was, it's been such a sought-after movie. Um, it's been out of print for years. So Umbrella bringing it back into print with a new 4K scan and an added 5.1 surround sound is just like beefed the whole thing up. And it's made everyone just kind of go, yes, it's here. Plot-wise, we've got a 24-year-old Linda Stevens, played by Jackie Karen, who's inherited a big old house in the middle of nowhere. Of course she has. It's used as an old people's home, so cue loads of slightly batty and absent-minded old folk providing the jump scares throughout the movie, which is kind of cool because you've got these kind of like gnarly-looking old people going, <laughs> and then uh, a lead girl going, oh, okay, Mrs. Lawrence, back to bed, please. And not being too phased by yeah. it. But, because it's a big old house. There's something weird about it. It's not quite right. Because old houses, they kind of speak at night. They creak and they groan. But it's not just that. There's something there. Something whoa, a bit dark and horrible. And, and, of course, as the movie goes on, things start to happen and weirdness goes on. And, yeah, and of course, because it's an old folks' home, people die all the time. So you've got this constant kind of cycle of death happening within it which doesn't seem to phase anyone because they know that that's part of why they're there but even so it still makes the whole ambience of the place a bit sort of darker and mustier brilliantly filmed it reminded me of like Dario Gento kind of movies those kind of European psychological horrors and in the in the extras uh, director Tony Williams says he got a lot of influence from those, those European style horrors. And he, he, he calls it more of a psychological movie um, rather than a horror film. Well, even the and, front yeah, image is very kind of European. You're right. You know, it's a, yeah. on, the, on the DVD, it's a small girl in front of, you know, a very sort of, you know, European looking house. The one yeah. thing I would say is that there is a ball and a small child. It had me at that. <laughs> it clearly and, means I'm going to see that ball maybe a bit in this film. <laughs> yeah. And and the soundtrack as well is that very European kind of 80s sort of sound to it. It's got quite, quite a jarring sound to it in places. Oh, well, um, the soundtrack's done by German electronic music pioneer Klaus Schulz, who was yes. briefly a member of Tangerine Dream and a few other bands, but he's done it all and he's continuing to create music. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got a bit of that kind of sort of goblin feel about it as well, yes. the soundtrack. So as you could hear from the trailer. Also in this film, we've got quite a young John Jarrett and Alex Scott. A.K.A. Uh, Martin in Romper Stomper? Yes, mm. yes. And they're great in this. Um, it's because this is an Australian psychological thriller stroke horror film. It does kind of go off in weird ways. And the, the last kind of third of the movie... I was sitting there going, okay, I've got this, I've got this. What's happening? 
okay, I'll just run with this. This is fine. And it just, it just shoots off in this completely different direction. And it took me by surprise. Cause again, this is a movie I've been waiting to see and not seeing Cause this is featured in the not quite Hollywood documentary as well. So again, that, that documentary put a load of movies on my, I want to see list. And this being one of them. Cause I was like, okay, I I'd seen how it ended in the not quite Hollywood documentary and their explanation of how they got the scene and how it wasn't supposed to be like that. But everyone went, wow, that's excellent. They went, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. Fine. And I wanted to see everything that built up to that scene. Very pleased that this is available and on Blu-ray. It's also available on DVD as well. And you get so much extras wise on this. So you get an all- Yeah. So what do you get extras? And I wanted to know, <laughs> did you watch return to Montclair? Where are these locations? <laughs> I haven't yet. There's so much to get through. So you've got audio commentary with director Tony Williams and, and the producer, audio commentary with cast members John Jarrett, Jackie Kering, Paul Ratty, uh, not quite Hollywood director Mark Hartley, uh, the return to Montclair, next of kin shooting locations revisited, extended interviews from the not quite Hollywood documentary, deleted scenes, original theatrical trailers, the VHS trailer, the German trailer, the German opening credits. Before the night is out, the complete ballroom dancing footage from 1978, um, an image gallery, and Tony Williams shorts from 1971, so getting together and the day we landed on the most perfect planet in the universe. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so you get so much crammed onto this disc. Um, If you are into a more European-style psychological thriller, then grab this. If you want to fill in your gaps in your exploitation collection, grab this. If you're just a fan of people like John Jarrett and you want to see kind of one of the earlier films they were in, then grab it. I mean, it's like probably this and The Quiet Earth are probably my favourite releases of this month. It'd be very hard for me to like choose between them because they're both really cool films and the presentation of both is excellent. I like that one of the taglines for this was that some films take their audience to the brink of terror. This one crosses the border. <laughs> <laughs> Lori, what exactly happened at your aunt's house? My cousin's the one that told me about all the witchcraft stuff. Witchcraft? Don't worry, man. Lori's ancestors were good witches. I told you never to go up there. You have no business going there. Besides, she doesn't need to know that we're going there to do witchcraft experiments with our friends. So this is it. Hey, it doesn't look that bad. You made it! <laughs> oh... Nothing too scary right off the bat. Mm, not. The coven used these in their rituals. There's stories about a cult sacrificing babies at this place. The way this house was built had something to do with the spirit world. Keeping spirits out. More like keeping one in. I found a Ouija board here. We're going to play it tonight. Tomas, you have to get him out of there, you understand? Is there a spirit with us tonight? Yes, there is a spirit. It's too late. You already started playing the game. You can play in the game until everyone dies. Alex, one reviewer wrote that the only thing scary about this waste of time is Tara Reid, but I really want to know what Ouija House is all about. (laughs) Ah, so again, from umbrellaent.com.au and and on DVD. So this 
these are Ouija house. And on the front of the, the DVD cover, it says, The House Always Wins. So this is starring B-movie faves Tara Reid, who is in all the Sharknados and Urban Legend, and Dee Wallace, who is in The Howling, E.T., Critters, Cujo, and a million other movies. And this is what used to be called straight-to-VHS horror, when I was just going to the to the video shop to find something just to watch on a Friday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon with my mates. We'd exhausted everything else and we're like, going, what is there? Oh, I saw this advertised in Fangoria. If it was in Fangoria, we've got to watch it. So it's that kind of movie. Um, I'm sorry, but there are a lot of awesome 90s people in this film. This is very oh, yeah. much a me film. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I saw this, I saw the trailer, I was like, Yep, this I am watching and I will probably own. (laughs) (laughs) So it's classic B-movie stuff. Student Laura is doing a PhD on paranormal act stuff and she wants to visit the house where years ago some stuff happened with a Ouija board and people died and the house belongs to a cousin or a mum. I don't know, it's in the family. She's been forbidden to go there by her mum. She goes anyway with a bunch of friends her older cousin is there as well. They find a Ouija board. They start messing around with it. Teens die. Splattery stuff. Oh, no, tales of witches and bad witches and good witches and nonsense and just extreme dumbness happens. And you know what? I love stuff like this. Give me idiot teens, splatter, gore, and a really tenuous plot, and I am there in my 16-year-old mind just going, yes, which one's going to get it next? There, there is a scene in this that I just was like, wow, they couldn't even, they, it is so low budget. They, they, <laughs> the Ouija board has disappeared. So one of the teens draws the Ouija board on herself because apparently <laughs> it can be on anything. And the remaining teens put their hands on a stone that is acting as the planchette for it. And as it's kind of moving around the letters, it moves up the girl's body and then up her neck and as they are moving the stone and it's moving up, you can see the sticky tape on their fingers <laughs> holding onto the stone. These are the <laughs> films that I love. Those things excite me. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, excellent, excellent. I like that you, you've, you've obviously seen this because I can see it and you've just gone, nah, be fine. <laughs> we'll just leave it in there. This is the sort of movie that I should think a big portion of anyone who watches this would just go, that was one of the worst films I've ever seen. And there'll be another portion of the audience, me and you included, which will go, that was awesome. Yes, I shall watch this again in about two months' time and just remember just how awesome this film is. (laughs) The other thing that I really like about this is that the the director, Ben Dimery, was also the DOP and camera operator on some of the best-sounding films I now have to put on my to-watch list. They include Mega Shark vs. Mecha Shark. Ah, yes. (laughs) Jersey Shore Shark Attack. Mega Shark vs. Crocosaurus. Awesome. Piranha Man versus Werewolf Man, Hell of the Piranha, and Dances with Werewolves. Brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) You left out the most important thing, cinematographer on Sharknado. (laughs) Yes, yes. And again, it's like there there is our link to everyone in this movie. It's Sharknado, just brings them all together. So, yeah, it's in the same kind of house as Sharknado. So you're not going to get a brilliant, brilliantly photographed, amazingly directed, superbly acted, tight as hell script with Ouija House. 
the, the, the more extremely dumb they are, the more I think I enjoy them. Completely. Yeah. I am happy to watch anything and I'm, I'm happy to sit there. This is definitely one I would be happy to sit there. You know, it has Dee Wallace in it. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Young people today will never know the terror of wind-up car windows when trying to keep out a rabid dog whose name might be Cujo. <laughs> so the struggle is really real. And I think Dee is just one of those people that you have to have in here. Again, the naysayer, she's there going, you have to get them out. No, you can't go there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see you helping. <laughs> But I just love that Dee Wallace is in this film. Oh, yeah. She, she, she seems to be now the go-to person for, like, teenage stuff, the harangued wife stuff, and now she's kind of like the concerned older person. Yeah, like I say, Ouija House. I have no idea if this is connected to any of the other Ouija films. I don't think it is. I think they've just gone, what's done well? Oh, those Ouija films did all right. Let's call this Ouija House <laughs> and get on with it. And the, the fact it's called Ouija House is revealed in the kind of like the last third of the movie. And you just kind of sit there going, really? Really? Okay. I've run with it this far. I'll, I'll take this in as well. <laughs> uh any extras? No, none on this. <laughs> It'd be, be hard pushed to see them like find anything to put on this. It's like you, you can't have actors in a film like this sitting there going, "Wow, this is one of the best films I've ever made in my life." I am so happy to be part of Ouija House. But saying that, I would have quite enjoyed extras with all the actors from Ouija House just going, "Well, you know what? This is just and Ben. Ben was superb, and the things he can do with a rock and sticky tape." It's just like, out of this world. I'm so happy to be in Ouija House. <laughs> <laughs> On ABC Radio, you're with Rihanna Patrick. 